Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Life isn't fair. It is a refrain that we pick up on pretty early in life, right? When you're a little kid, when you proclaim life isn't fair, it's usually about something like, she got more ice cream than me, or, or why does he get to stay up later than I do, or I, they already had a turn, right? And then as you get older, uh, you still kind of have that same, that maybe it's still about staying up late. You're saying like, why do they have a later curfew than I do? All my friends get to stay out later. Why not me? Maybe it's why does he get her as a girlfriend rather than me? Maybe it's why did they get into that college? And not me. And then as we grow older, it continues, right? Like you see somebody cut down an entire lane of traffic and then merge in way on the end, and you're like, we've all been waiting here. This isn't fair. Or somebody snakes your parking spot, right? And you just get mad and say, this isn't fair. Maybe it's more serious things. You look at, at other families and say, how is it that they're so happy? Maybe you look and say, how is it that they're having a fifth kid when we've been trying for years? You look and say, after the battle that I had, the cancer's back? Why is it that this couple gets so long when my spouse died so young? Life isn't fair. And unfortunately, a lot of people take that refrain and they apply it to God and say, God isn't fair. And they'll use that as their justification. Maybe they're, they're angry at God. Maybe they uh, use that as their reason to not be a Christian, to not follow God. Maybe they use that straight up to just say, that's why I think God doesn't exist. Well, in today's message, we'll talk about it. Yeah, life isn't fair. And yeah, God isn't fair. But maybe that's a good thing. But before we go into that, if you could join me in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today and we recognize that uh, we get the chance to worship you. We get the chance to draw in breath. We get the chance to be together, whether here in person or we have the technology to be able to join online. And so we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message. I pray that it is your message. I pray that your Holy Spirit is at work in a powerful way in this place, and that your words are spoken, that, that you, Lord, are the one at work. We pray all these things through your Son, Jesus. In his name, amen. Well, our main text for today, and if you want to take out a Bible and have it open in front of you, we're going to continue in our sermon series looking at the book of Psalms. And again, the reasoning for this is I know a lot of people, when New Year's comes around, they start a new Bible reading plan where they seek to read through the entire Bible in a year. And sometimes you just start at Genesis and start plowing along. Um, and the issue with that is always, if that's your main like daily devotional, is you'll hit sections of Scripture where it's just talking about like obscure Old Testament laws or so-and-so beget so-and-so in genealogies. And it's tough if, if that's your sole spiritual focus for the day to really feel fed. Now, God's Word is powerful and can speak in unique ways, but what I would encourage you to do is still read through that, but then hop to the middle of your Bible— to the poetic sections, uh, whether that be Psalms, Proverbs, etc., and take some time there. Pick just a psalm 
and read through it. And so we're going through a sermon series looking at some psalms. And last week we covered Psalm 121. That's available online if you want to track along with that. We talked about how it's a psalm of ascent. Uh, That's a section of Psalms from 120 to 134 that traditionally was held that the people of Israel, as they made their journey to Jerusalem, which was literally like up on a hill or a mountain, uh, as they ascended up to get to that that seat of the presence of God, that symbolic presence of God, they would either read this, they would speak these Psalms, or even potentially sing them as a community. Well, today's Psalm, Psalm 130, is still in that section of the Psalms of Ascent, but it has a different theme than 121. Uh, Now, there is this sense of of waiting, right? If you remember 121, one of the things I said was that God has a promise for us that he will keep us from all all harm, or keep us, yeah, keep us from all all harm and all evil, but maybe not yet, right? And so we're kind of waiting for that. Um, But there's this sense of waiting within Psalm 130. I'm gonna go ahead and read it, even though if you're here in worship, you just heard it moments ago. But if you're watching online just the sermon, it would be good to hear this. So Psalm 130, a song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities or kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, and there that you may be feared or respected. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. In his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all iniquities. Now, This opening bit here, um, uh, out of the depths I cried to you. In our modern kind of viewpoint, we often take this verse and we use it as a a place of emotional distraughtness, like anguish. That's kind of the perspective. If you go to like Hobby Lobby and you, you know, pull a card or something for somebody who's mourning, there's a decent chance that this psalm will be quoted. And, And God's word is powerful. God's word is living and breathing and speaks into different situations. But as we look at the larger context here, it doesn't appear that that's necessarily the theme of this psalm. It's not just about being in a a dark place and and crying out to the Lord. There's more to it. In fact, this psalm is considered one of seven penitential psalms or or repentance psalms. Uh, It's an idea of confession. It's an idea of bringing your sin to God, right? We, We see that as it talks about, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins... O Lord, who could stand? So as we see this idea of out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord, yeah, we can interpret that as saying I'm in a deep, dark place. It's scary and I'm hurting. I'm crying out to you, Lord. But keep in mind, this is a psalm of ascent. And so if, if height, if ascending means getting closer to God, the depths mean you're what? Further from God. There's more distance between you and God. And how is that distance created? through sin, through living your life in rebellion. And so as he says, out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord, it could just be saying, I I don't feel connected to you, God. You're up there and I'm way down here in this low place. Now, maybe that particular verse speaks to you in a different way. And again, that's okay. But but as we look at the context of the psalm, it really is talking about our sin. And there's something to that, something interesting, because this idea of being in a low place, this idea of being in a place that is hurting, 
um, we often will, will kind of play victim. And it's true. Certainly times, there are times you end up in a difficult place and it's because somebody ha- has done something wrong to you or, or something has happened to you and you haven't done anything wrong. But it's certainly true that sometimes we f- find ourselves in these dark places because of our own actions, because of foolish decisions, because uh, of not following God. And so the idea of our sin causing some of the, the pain and suffering in our lives, it happens. This world is broken and we continue to break it, right? And, and we have to be honest with our own culpability within that. But what's interesting here is so it starts off out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord, but then immediately from this deep, dark place, from this place where he feels the separation from God, the psalmist immediately turns to God. He turns to God and is starting to put his hope in God. Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And I started this sermon by talking about how life perhaps isn't fair, how God perhaps isn't fair. And in fact, in this sermon, we're going to talk about four different ways that God isn't fair to us that we can rejoice about. And the first is right here. We can rejoice about the fact that God isn't fair, that he listens. Because God listens to us even though we don't listen to him sometimes. Even though we hear what God's trying to say, we hear when people speak into us God's word, when we we look at God's scripture and we're like, "Eh, well, uh, maybe I know better. Right, as the psalmist who who has this, this sin in his life, he has this thing that has created separation. Even though he has not listened to God, God still listens to him. And that's not fair. If the whole idea is fairness, and uh, I, I was not treated fairly, then God wouldn't have any reason to listen to us. He wouldn't have any time for us. And yet we see in Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. In fact, when we cry out to God, not only does he listen, he also rejoices He rejoices just like the father as the prodigal son returns. He rejoices and throws a feast. He is happy for us to have returned to him, to cry out to him, to actually start to rely on him. So perhaps it's not fair of God to listen to us if we're looking at it in terms of justice, but it is a blessing, which then leads us to our second thing. If we continue on, but uh, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins or should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared or that you are respected, that you are loved. That's the second way God isn't fair to us, that he forgives. Because if it came down to us living a fair life, if we wanted God to give us justice, if we wanted God to be fair to us, when we stand before him for our final reckoning, boy, we'd be in a tough spot, wouldn't we? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God every last one of us. And the wage of sin, the cost of sin, the debt of sin, it's death. And that death doesn't mean like death in this world. No, death is, means a separation from God in that. that. That long-term suffering where we are apart from all that is good that we know God to be. The wage, the debt of sin is death. 
And so if we're trying to be fair with God, if we're saying, God, God, I, I try and be a good person, this bad thing is happening to me, then if our whole call is for justice and perfection in terms of fairness, then we are in a tough spot. But praise God, because he is not fair to us in that regard. No, he offers us forgiveness and grace that makes no sense whatsoever. As God looked at his people, as God looks at us, he sees people who continually rebel against him, and yet still he loves us. Still he loves us enough that he lived a perfect life that we're not living, and then died, paid that price, that debt. See, everybody wants fairness until they get pulled over for speeding, <laughs> right? Because in that moment, oh, yeah, I don't want fairness. No, 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 this should be mercy. This should be grace. I should just get a warning, officer, right? Well, fair, if you're going one mile an hour over the speed limit, you're eligible to receive a ticket. And yet you're looking for mercy and grace in that situation. And so it may not be fair, but we praise God because of his mercy, because of his grace, the way that he forgives. If fairness is our basis for salvation. If that, that's how we're saved, by living this, this corrected life, by living this fair life where, where everything's tallied off on either side, we'll find ourselves with a lot of difficulty. The third way that God is unfair to us is that he heals us. See, okay, let me explain this. So he listens to us. He hears when we have our difficulties, when we bring it to him, even though we ended up this way, even though we didn't listen to him, he hears us. He listens to us. He also forgives us. That is our salvation. And our salvation is instant. In that moment where we let go of that sin of rejection of, of Christ, when that moment where, where the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's in that moment that we are saved. But then there's a whole lifelong process after that where we strive to be better people, where we strive to be more like God, to be sanctified. It's that healing process as we, as we overcome the wounds of our past, as we overcome the, the mistakes of our past. That is the process, and we don't deserve that. And yet we rejoice because he heals us. Not only does he listen, not only does he forgive, but he heals us that long-term Process. We see this in verse 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. In his word I have hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. It's, that's repeated there because it's such a powerful image, right? Remember, we talked about this last week, the Psalm of Ascent, as they're going along up to this, this mountaintop, they're passing through valleys with, with hills and mountains on either side, and, and they're on their way to Jerusalem to make the sacrifice, so they probably have some money with them, and so they were easy prey for robbers, for thieves, and so when they fell asleep at night, they needed a watchman to sit there and watch over them. And I guarantee you that watchman counted down the moments because he was tired and he was sore and it was cold and he just wanted to stop watching for just a moment. I've shared before that on Sundays that I preach, I wake up ridiculously early. I'm not a morning person, so in order to trick myself, I wake up at four in the morning when I preach, so that basically it's like lunchtime by the time that eight o'clock service rolls around. Um, that's the only way to do it. And so this morning, as I sat there and was kind of looking out the window on my dog, you know, I had to let him out and it was cold. And it's amazing because the world is so 
dark and still and quite frankly kind of lonely when it's that early. Because see, I've, I got bird feeders all over my backyard and so I'm used to them kind of bopping around and stuff. And, and to look out there and it's empty is a little startling. And you don't hear what I, what I equate, like I grew up in Florida, we had the sound of the ocean. Here in Houston, the sound of the ocean is the sound of traffic on the highway. Um, and you don't hear that at four in the morning. It's like the world is empty. And maybe that's where you feel like you are at times, is it's cold and it's empty and you're lonely and you're just waiting for the sun to come up. You're just waiting for life to come back. You're waiting for, for that pain as you mourn to fade away. You're waiting for that pain of the breakup to fade away. You're waiting for this season of your life where you're in between jobs, where, where you have so many questions and so many frustrations and so many stresses. You're just waiting for that to fade away so that you can see the sun peeking up over the horizon. You hear the birds chirping again. It feels alive again. But in the meantime, you're just waiting. See, our God is there and he heals us through that process. And it's going to take time. Sometimes it takes patience, but he heals us. And the sun will rise. It will. Things will get better. Even if it's not in this world, we have a promise of paradise yet to come. We have a promise of something coming that is so much better than any bird chirping in this world. So we wait. More than the watchman for the morning, we wait. But this idea of waiting, this idea of healing, there, there are kind of some, some steps that we can take, right? First is waiting. And when you wait, it's intentional. You're intentionally interacting with God. You're constantly calling out to God. You're, you're crying out to God. You're in prayer. You're, you're going through Bible studies. You're spending your time here in church and singing songs. You are waiting and saying, God, I'm eagerly anticipating for you to return in a real powerful way in my life for that sun to come up and for me to finally feel alive again. You wait, and then you, you hope. And, and that's taking all the burdens that you have in your life, all the, all the things that you try and carry around on your own, all the things you're just trying to get through, or maybe you're just straight up ignoring. You just got to tuck down this, this emotional trauma, this, this hurts from the past. Like, no, 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 we don't, we don't talk about that. That's just, we're just going to lock that up in the old psyche there, and that's not going to cause any problems. No, we put hope in God, and so we bring it to him. We bring it to the people that God has put into our lives. We, we go talk to counselors. We, we talk to people who can help us through things. We hope. And then lastly, we watch, right? You, you wait intentionally crying out to God, intentionally seeking him. You hope, you bring what you have, that anxiety, that burden. And then lastly, you watch for the Lord, and that is this, looking for God in the still, small moments. Recognizing that God is far more present in your life than perhaps you thought, perhaps you're willing to notice, because you're so distracted by everything in your life, but take a moment to watch for him. It requires attention, it requires intentionality, but we watch. And so we know that it's perhaps unfair uh, that God continues to heal us even though we rebel against him, even though we're, we're constantly trying to turn our back and, and falling asleep on him, yet still he heals us, which brings us to the last way that God is not perhaps fair to us, and that is that he helps us to be good. See, at the very end of the scripture here, uh, in verse 7, it says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption. 
The idea of redemption, right? You know, picture like Dumb and Dumber. You go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. It's the guy who, who missed the game-winning shot at the end of regula- regulation and then gets another chance in overtime. You get another chance. Yeah, you messed up. You got issues in your life. You got things in your past that you're, you're ashamed of. You have sin and guilt. But the reality is because we have forgiveness, because we have a God full of grace and mercy and truth, we have another chance. We have redemption. We get the opportunity to be better people, to be healed, to go through that process. Don't miss sight of what the psalmist did, because I almost did. As I was first writing this sermon, I almost missed this, but then I consulted other sermons, and somebody else pointed this out. This is a guy who starts off by saying, I'm in the depths of despair. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Then he turns his attention to God. He kind of finds his way back up to the firm foundation, but then what does he do? He says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. He isn't content with just getting himself out of the miry muck. He isn't content with just helping himself out. No, instead, he then turns to those who are still stuck in that dark place. He turns to them and says, hey, guys, you're still in the depths. Let me tell you how you can get out, and that is hope in the Lord. Hey, guys, who are going through a difficult time, there is something more to be found not through, you can't get out of that pit on your own. Trust me, I tried for a long time. No, it's through God and God alone. My brothers and sisters in Christ, here in this room, watching online, wherever you may be, God has put others in your life who are still in those depths. God has put people in your life who are going through a difficult time right now, who are crying out. And it's not enough for you to say, well, I go to church every Sunday as you sit on the camp on the edge of that pit. No, we cry out and say, listen, we want to help you. We turn your eyes to the Lord. Where does your help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. And so we turn back to those who are hurting. We turn back to those who don't know the gospel. We turn back to those who need to hear that message of Christ. And that is how God helps us to be better people. It may not be the most fair thing in the world because we are constantly focusing on ourselves and saying, well, I got out, so that's enough of that. No, God says, no, you can be better. You should be better. And if you're not better, don't worry because I'm gonna be better. And he'll overcome us. But let's not let that be the case. Yeah? So let's pray that as we go through life, yeah, there are gonna be times where things don't seem fair. There are gonna be times when you encounter hurt. There are gonna be times you encounter stress and anxiety and anguish. But in the meantime, I pray that you're able to know that God listens, that God forgives, that God heals, and that God is seeking to make you a better person. God may not be fair, but praise be to him that he's not. Because fair never saved anybody. But grace and mercy, that's what saves each and every one of us. Amen.